0: Welcome back to another episode. This is your host, Yavitsa Djurjevic, and today we got the second episode of Money Talks, the new series within Millennial Manhood that I'm super pumped about. So in this episode, like I mentioned in uh, the description you probably read, does buying a home have you stressed out? Does it just sound terrible? Do you really not even know where to start? Well, lucky for you, we got a fun episode here. So in this episode, I've got my realtor, Bo Zivak with me, who, um, it's funny, actually this episode was, re- was recorded for another project that Raphael, the, the other guy that's on the episode that you guys have probably heard on, on previous interviews I've done. It's another project we were working on for a real estate podcast. And then we decided to pivot that into more commercial focus. So I've had a couple episodes left over that, uh, were really good quality and high quality content, but, uh, we're focusing on the residential side. Because that's where, you know, Bo focuses his time. So I decided to incorporate it into the Money Talks concept because uh, the information is really, really good. If you've never bought a house or you bought a house and it was just a disaster uh, from, a, <laughs> from a stress standpoint, uh, or you just want to get a refresher. It talks about what to look for in a realtor, what the process looks like, uh, what some of the pitfalls are, and just overall a, a good conversation between the three of us. Some of the information at the very beginning is just a little dated since we recorded it when Corona first started. However, the overwhelming majority of the conversation is just fantastic. So if you want to get a hold of Bo, you can reach out to him either via his website. Zivak is spelled Z-I-V-A-K. So zivakrealtygroup.com. You can also look up Zivak Realty Group on Facebook. Uh, you've got this contact information in there and obviously I'll have it in the show notes as well. And obviously you can reach out to Raphael as well, have his contact in the show notes or myself. So hope you guys enjoy. I think you will just have a great, great time listening to this conversation and you'll get a lot of value out of it. Welcome to the show guys. For folks who, who don't know, Yavitsa Djurjevic here. Uh, then we've got Rafael, you want to introduce yourself?
1: Yeah. Yeah. My name is Rafael Acoyaso. I'm a commercial real estate agent here in Louisville and uh, I'm excited to be part of the, the, the podcast. I think it's great. I'm awesome.
0: Awesome. And for the episode, we got my boy Bo Zivak with me. He is um, a realtor here in Nashville where I'm located. Bo, give us a, a background, a, a little bit on who you are, who you work with, how long you've been in the business, et cetera.
2: Uh, Sure. Yeah. So, hi, everyone. My name is Bo Zivak. uh, As you have it to pronounce, the Zivak is the official pronunciation. Uh, (laughs) I've been in the real estate business now since 2013. I'm um, mainly on the residential side. I am a broker here in town, and I'm looking to our conversation about real estate, and there are some uncertain times we're going through right now, but uh, I think it's definitely still exciting to uh, be part of of this real estate market, especially here in Nashville.
0: That's awesome. Awesome. So, you know, you're, you're talking about certain exciting times and and certain uncertain times at the same time. So we're recording this in April, beginning of April, in the middle of the whole coronavirus quarantine, lockdown, et cetera. You know, a lot of people have asked me this question and you know, what's going on in the real estate market, what does the future hold? And none of us have a crystal ball to, to be able to see, but just what are you seeing right now in general?
2: I mean, you're right. I mean, none of us have a crystal ball in front of us to kind of foresee what's going to happen with the virus here in the next few months. But, you know, what I've seen is a very strong start to the year. So basically, uh, March home sales have been up by three and a half percent here, you know, and we've had this virus now for, you know, a good month, you know. So I think some of that is is kind of um, coming from the beginning of the year, January and February. So um, I think those stats are not uh, true stats um, uh, through this virus, if you will. So I think in the next few months, we're really going to see what this virus is going to do. But for me personally, uh, my clients, um, people that have to buy and that have to sell for whatever reason um see the opportunity on the buyer's side they're seeing less competition the mm-hmm. interest rates are still good and they're going out looking at houses you know we're taking uh, precautionary measures You know, we're taking separate cars we're bringing hand sanitizers masks gloves for people to go see houses we're telling people not to touch insides of the home hmm. uh, but um, they're still out there doing business. And, you know, I just had a listing appointment today in Nolensville and sellers are selling. They're just telling me, hey, can you make sure that people are not going through my stuff? They're not touching uh, my belongings, uh, you know, door handles and cabinets and things like that. So I feel like it's, it's, it's kind of 50-50. So people that have to buy and sell are doing business. Uh, and then people who don't have to, but they would like to are kind of staying put And seeing this play out uh, just to kind of figure out what's going to happen in the next few months. Uh, There's definitely been a slowdown um, but things haven't come to a screeching halt.
1: Mm. I was gonna gonna ask because this is something that's kind of happened on the commercial side that I've seen a lot of is banks have been kind of addressing the new loan requests for a lot of business owners so as part of the CARES Act there was a huge package that essentially allows business owners to apply for payroll uh, loans that eventually could be forgiven. Uh, on the residential side, I know they're doing a lot of uh, forbearance as it pertains to like mortgages. Have you seen anything from uh, from the financial side, at least from the mortgage side that banks are more hesitant to loan out money or has it just been pretty open? Um,
2: so yes, um, uh, on on the FHA side, so the government loans have, changed guidelines a little bit. Um, they've raised credit scores, so they, they, they really want more uh, able buyers, if you will. Uh, so instead of let's say your minimum credit score of 580 to qualify now, it's 680. Uh, so you are seeing some buyers affected by this by, uh, 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 by a good bit. You know, I've got some clients personally that uh, are unable to purchase a home now because Um, uh, his fiance was laid off, and they don't have that secondary income that's needed for them to qualify. So, they're kind of just right now sitting on the sidelines waiting for this to pass by so she can go back to work and we can get back to house hunting. Um, Lenders are definitely changing some of the guidelines um, from what I hear and from what I've seen, Um, but interest rates are still pretty darn good for buyers, excuse me, who have not been affected by a job loss or a, or a um, layoff.
0: So let's take a step back real quick, just so we make sure that folks can follow along. Cause I know a lot of times we can get caught up in like the verbiage that we all know, but take you just mentioned a couple terms times right there. Like for example, the government backed FHA mortgages, do you mind expl- explaining just a little bit more in detail what the difference is between like an FHA loan versus a conventional loan? Like who typically looks at those types of loans when they're buying a house?
2: Well, the main difference is um, the FHA loan. It's the, the Federal Housing Administration uh, backs the loans uh, for the banks. So if 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 the buyer defaults, they step in and they say, "Okay, we're going to cover your more, you know your your loan amount." So mm-hmm. uh, basically, that's the main difference. Now, um, a couple of other uh, minor differences. Um, for example, people who are unable to qualify for a conventional loan, they have a little higher uh, standards, uh, meaning you have to have a higher credit score. Um, you, you know, you, you've got to have a little bit of uh, money for a down payment. Um, for example, uh, FHA loans require you to put down three and a half percent conventional loans or five percent. So people who don't have those funds usually, you know, tend to go with an FHA loan. And a lot of times the FHA loans have a little bit lower uh, interest rate as well.
0: Mm-hmm. And then it, it's my understanding that folks will have those FHA loans basically to get into the property. And then a lot of times they'll refinance out and try to go yes. into a conventional, drop the PMI, private mortgage yes, insurance, so et cetera. Good thing
2: you mentioned PMI. Um, with FHA loans, uh, 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 private mortgage insurance is, um, so just to be clear, both FHA and conventional have that insurance. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now the difference is Um, um, as long as you have 20% equity in your, in your place, in your house or a condo or any type of real estate you're buying um, that mortgage insurance falls off. So once you, if you're able to put 20% down, let's say you don't have mortgage insurance to pay Um, um, now with that's with, with a conventional loan Now with an FHA um, if you're unable, it doesn't matter what you put down. Um, basically, the, the the mortgage insurance on FHA loan stays for the life of the loan. Mm-hmm. So it can, in the long run, it can cost you money to go with an FHA loan uh, instead of a conventional loan. But, you know, if your credit score is not there, and if you have, if you don't have the funds right off the bat, um, maybe just to get the house, like you said, you go ahead and pull the trigger on an FHA loan. And then once you, you know, get some funding, once you have, um, you know, your income goes up or whatnot, and you want to refinance, you know, I usually recommend to my uh, uh, clients or my buyers uh, um, to go ahead and refinance into a conventional loan because of those reasons. I just mentioned one, the number one being the mortgage insurance falling off, which can be substantial.
0: Yeah. Well, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but most first time home buyers probably go down the FHA route.
2: Well, Yes. So, recently, you know, over the last probably, you know, three or four years, um, uh, the conventional loans have gotten better in the sense that you don't have to put down 5%. Some conventional loans, you can only put down 3%. Mm -hmm. So, it's actually less than an FHA loan if you have the credit score. Mm -hmm. Now, if you don't have the credit score, you still, you know, have to go FHA.
1: Have you, so that's another thing that, that I did when I f- bought my first property, I, I bought a fourplex here in Louisville and I'm living in one of the units and renting out the other three. And so I was able to use the income from the other units in order to qualify for better terms. Have you been seeing any type of scenarios that with that playing out in, in your market in particular in Nashville? Because I mean, it's a, it's a hot market, especially the last few years. I mean, Yeah, definitely.
2: You know, that's, that's a good point. You know, I highly recommend, you know, people who don't mind, you know, sharing. um, It's not really sharing living space. But you know, if you don't mind being a landlord, you know, that's a good way for somebody to pay off your mortgage. Uh, and, you know, lenders will look at that income that's coming in or that rent money that's coming in and they'll, they'll look at it and say, this is your income. So, you know, if your job only pays a certain amount and you need a little bit, you know, uh, more money coming in monthly to get you over the top to get that loan, that rental income might be that. Um, and so for sure, you know, um, I, I've seen buyers uh, buy um, attached um, houses here, you know, so you have two homes in one parcel, for example, they'll buy both live in one and, you know, Airbnb the other. Hmm. Um, and, you know, you've got a substantial amount of income coming in every year. Uh, and that's more than paying their mortgage.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. So how will the banks look at that income coming in? Will they take it like dollar for dollar um off rental incomes or whether they take like a percentage of it i know it's probably different from bank to bank but is there a rule of thumb
2: yeah mostly it's it varies bank to bank but so airbnb is looked at short short short-term renting that income is looked at differently than long-term rentals Mm -hmm. um so basically if you've got a a, a, let's say a a long-term rental you know they'll take 85 percent for example you know some banks might be 90 some might be 70 but on average 85 percent of that rental income um and 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 basically they'll they'll take that as income Uh for you or you know let's say you know you live in a a house now and you know you want to rent your house uh um, out and go buy something else um once you get a rental agreement in place you know they'll take that and look at your rental income and say okay 85 percent of the rental income can go towards the mortgage and if that's covered basically your mortgage is a wash uh with that rental income um but um, so it's it's all about what, what can you prove? How long have you had the rental properties? So like if you've got an Airbnb for four or five years and you can show that every year you've made this much money, they'll count every penny of that money.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a big thing that a lot of people don't think about is, so most people think when they... Purchase a property, so they live in it, and then let's say they live in it for three years, and then they want to move to their next one. The, the thought is always like, I'm going to sell this property and then I'm going to go buy the next one. A lot of people don't think about renting out the property that they have and moving into the next one yeah. and, and and creating cash flow off of it.
1: Mm-hmm. And I know that's and,
0: something you preach a lot, Bo, with oh, yeah, like and, a lot of
1: It's Correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but if you live in a property for two years, if you sell that property within the first five years of owning it or whatever, doesn't, isn't there a capital gains advantage to that as well? Definitely.
2: So if you, if you sell your house, let's say today, and you've owned it two out of the last five years, uh, anything, if you're a single filer, um, you can exclude anything, any gains less than $250,000. So if you made $250,000, uh, that's tax-free money. Uh, now, if you're married, you know that goes up to five hundred thousand. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Yeah, that's, so, that's, you that's know, a hell of a flip. That's if you can if you can get that, get that kind of return in a couple of years by all means. I, I recommend go ahead and sell and and move on. But you know that's very that's a very good perk. And then you know for the people who have investment properties that have held it longer, for example, so you lived in it for two years but you rented it for five, and all of a sudden you don't qualify for that exemption. What's happening now, a lot, of, um, uh, a lot of people are taking advantage of that 1031 exchange. Mm-hmm. Now that's a little more in depth, you know, that's more for investors. And I'm sure um, you know, uh, you've dealt with, with a lot of this in Louisville, um, but 1031 exchange is, is, is another tool for, for buyers, investors, people that own real estate to take advantage of delaying the, the tax um, uh, capital gain down the line.
0: Yeah, it's it's like, it's almost a cheat code and a tax code when you yeah. look at it. Yeah, yeah, I haven't done one well myself relevant. yet, but, but like I've
2: had people estate. that did and they love it.
1: Yeah. Oh, it's great, man. I I, I I've worked with a few clients with that that had 10, 1031 money, and it makes it like so much easier, you know, because <laughs> they will they can pay cash a lot of times, and it's yeah pretty sizable amount sometimes.
0: Well, let me ask you, and as much as I'd love to go down a 1031 exchange route, well, I'm sure we'll do a whole episode on that. Uh, so let me ask you this. So let's take it a step back. So actually, it's pretty, I bought my house from both, so I can actually put myself in, in these shoes. I'm a home buyer. I come to you and I say, I want a home. What does that process look like? Okay, because most people, I mean, it's shocking how little we as a society know about what it takes to buy a home. Oh, and like the process I mean, and and everything so 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 talk us through that
2: well without going into too much detail i mean i've, I've been in this uh, business now for a while and to this day i get shocked when i talk to first time home buyers and they tell me what they know about the home buying process which is usually nothing and and you know at this day and age you know you've got a lot of misinformation online and you, you know how people are nowadays mm-hmm. you know they just read the headlines but they don't actually take the time to read the full articles And they form their opinions based on a headline. So, you know, if somebody wrote an article that says, don't buy a home, rent a home, you know, they take that for for what it is without actually looking into it. Anyway, Mm -hmm. so, you know, nowadays, it's very easy to buy a house in this country. You know, I say that uh, because you've got, if you have a job, you have steady income, you have decent credit you can buy a house, even if you have bad credit, you can go to a lender they'll tell you how to, how to get your credit up to mm-hmm. apply, you, know, so you can qualify for a mortgage. So when, when somebody comes to me, the first thing I tell them is, you know, look into financing. That's the first thing I tell buyers. Even before we get into looking at houses, where do you wanna live? Because I don't wanna get people excited. And then we go to financing and we find out we can't live in this area because homes are too expensive. And all of a sudden, you know, they're disappointed. So I tell them, here's some recommendations for a lender. You know, I always recommend three or four lenders. You go talk to them, uh, see what your buying power is. Once you have a pre-approval letter in hand, we sit down, we have a one-on-one meeting. And then that's the the next step is asking them those questions. Where do you want to live? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I know the bank said you can, you know, get a loan for $300,000, but you really don't want to spend that much. So here's what your payment's going to look like based on, you know, where do you want to live and taxes, home, home insurance and all that stuff. Um, and then, you know, time timeframe um, is important and educating people. I feel like every market is different and I'm kind of all over the place, but um, here currently, you know, being a first time home buyer is stressful mm-hmm. in Nashville specifically because you're competing against, investors, people that have moved here from other uh, parts of the country who have cash. Um, you know, uh, people here who have lived and in, in, in did a 1031 exchange and, and, you know, made that money um, uh, by the market appreciating and now all of a sudden they're also cash buyers. So um, it's very stressful for, for a first time home buyer going out, looking at houses, you know, putting in offers, multiple offers, um, losing offers on homes they love um but but going back uh, uh to your question, so basically pre approval number one mm-hmm. figuring out where you want to live, going out looking at houses, making an offer, going through inspections, and then getting to closing without getting too much into detail because you know you can go on for days,
0: yeah well and and I think what's interesting about what you just said is a lot of people, they do it um, the reverse of that. So w- what's the first thing everybody does? They like start looking on Zillow for weeks on end before they ever talk to a realtor. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. And, and, and they start falling in love with these different things. And it's like, no, like you got to get the financing in place. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't know what the Louisville market is, but you know, if you want a decent first time home in Nashville, I mean, you're looking at what? At least two seventy
2: five, three hundred. Oh yeah, I mean, at least you know. At that's, least. That's probably I mean, not going to get you what you really want, depending, you know. Yeah,
0: that's a part of town,
2: bedroom. but <laughs> if you want a three-bedroom, two-bath house, fifteen hundred square feet, you're—I mean, three hundred thousand is is probably not going to get it. You know, you're probably three fifty. You know. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. yeah. Another thing I was
1: gonna—I'm curious about—is how do you manage expectations throughout the process? Because you, you kind of mentioned quite a few talking points in the sense that sometimes pe- sellers or buyers come into the process with cre- preconceived notions of the process, and so you kind of have to explain to them the whole situation and and guide them through it without uh, not being confrontational or anything, but essentially you're trying to explain to them this is what the real situation is. And I've kind of I experienced it a lot on the commercial side where. a a seller or or someone who's looking to lease out their property has an expectation of what they want to get for the property or someone who's looking to lease a property has an expectation of what they're willing to pay for the property. And if that doesn't meet what the market demands, then there's kind of some sticking points there. So I was kind of curious if you can talk a little bit about that, like managing, how do you manage the the process itself?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, great question there. You know, that's, (laughs) that's really where you earn your commission, right? (laughs) You know, Um, because like you said, you know, there are sellers and buyers that are unrealistic, you know, so our job as, you know, their representation is to lay out everything in front of them and let them make that decision. And the more information and the more knowledge you have about the process and the market, I think helps them, uh, kind of, um, change their opinions based on the information that you give them. Now you will have, you know, a handful of people, doesn't matter what you do, they still have their own opinions. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if you've been in the business long enough, those are the kind of people that eventually you'll have to let go
1: because Mm -hmm.
2: they're going to waste your time. They're going to waste their time. They're not committed. And, you know, and that's one thing that I learned um, very quickly is, you know, there's only so much you can do for people. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but this is a big decision for people. Most people, this is the biggest investment they'll ever make in their life. And I feel like um, uh, we, as agents, as realtors, as brokers, uh, our job is to help them make that decision, not make the decision for them. Uh, give them everything that we have in our arsenal of of, of tools uh, to to help them make the decision, and let the decision be an easy decision for them based on the information that you've provided.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So what do you think as a realtor, if you were looking for somebody to help you with this, like you said, arguably the largest decision they'll make, what makes a good realtor for someone?
2: Yeah, so fair question. I mean, you know, that's the question that every buyer, every seller should be asking just Mm -hmm. because you know a cousin you know your your grandma your you know high school best friend that has a license doesn't mean they're going to do a good job for you so uh, what makes a good realtor i mean a good realtor is somebody that um is constantly evolving when i say that i mean um you go out you know you educate yourself as a realtor you go out you familiarize, familiarize yourself with the market um you go out and you make connections like you said, Joe. I mean you've got you know lenders, you know that's probably the number one connection you'll have. You've got title companies, you've got inspectors, you've got even you know for myself, it's important to have a a, a vendor list that you know, if you need to paint your house, hey, not not just be there while, you know, through the process of buying the house, but be there afterwards as well in case they need anything real estate related. But the number one thing that I would want from my real estate agent or my financial advisor, uh, my commercial agent would be, um, having my best interest at heart, uh, at all times, you know, we're commission based and in, in these hard times, Not a lot of real estate people can stay in business without getting paid. So their decisions might not be, um, or their recommendations might not be in line with their client's needs. Uh, You know, they might be um, uh, uh, forming um, offers uh, so they get paid quicker instead of, you know, hey, how do I get a best deal for my client? Uh, So... Hmm. Best interest at heart at all times is, is a big one for me. Um, um, when somebody asks me, "Is what what do you bring to the table?" I mean, obviously, there's more things that 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 you should be looking out for, uh, but that's probably the, the the number one thing is is don't make me uh, make a wrong decision because this is this is or will be maybe the biggest investment that I'll ever do in my life, and you know help me make an educated decision.
1: Another thing I'd say also is, is it's okay not to know all the answers as long as you're able to come back and say, "Look, I don't know this right now, but I'll go back and find it out for you." Because exactly. I've definitely dealt with some people before where it's like they're just blowing smoke, and I can tell they're blowing smoke, and they just don't want to seem like they don't know what you're talk they're talking about. But if you're able to just say, "Look, like this is the situation. I don't necessarily know this at at the moment, but I will get you a response and be timely and have great communication." I mean, that's. You want to be able to communicate yeah. effectively with whoever you're going to deal with
2: yeah so you know that's that's a good point also you know we don't know everything and i'll be the first one to tell you i don't know everything you know that's why i'm always you know reading books you know going to meetings and taking classes you know so i can educate my buyers or sellers on w- what might be the best option for them not only that but you know the number one thing that a lot of people overlook is the actual paperwork that these people are signing mm. I, I, it's it's mind boggling to me how many agents can't even tell you what's in the contract. Interesting. You know, you've got deadlines to meet, you know, you've got contingencies that, that have to be cleared. And sometimes when, you know, we get too close to some of these performance dates, you know, I'll, I'll give a call to an agent and say, Hey, did you know your inspection contingency is up tomorrow? Do you have a proposal for us? Are you going to take it as is? And then all of a sudden they get flustered like, Oh, uh, 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 <laughs> you know, and, and so uh, it, that's how you can get your client in trouble is by not understanding the actual things that you're having them sign. Um, so, you know, another thing that's important, obviously, is understanding of the actual contract, um, not actual contract law, because we're not lawyers, we can't interpret law, but, you know, being able to understand and explain what you're actually signing is important as well. Uh, like, I guess that kind of goes hand in hand with having your best interest. You know, in mind at all times because you know that's kind of part of it. Sure. So,
0: so what are some of the top things? And obviously, you don't have to go through a whole contract; we don't have time for that. But like, just top things in 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 contracts that you would look out for, or or that realtors really should be paying attention to.
2: Uh, I'll just give you two. I mean, it's inspection and appraisal. Okay. Um, you know, so and obviously, maybe three closing dates. So you know, you as a as a as a buyer, as a seller. those are the three dates that you kind of are striving for and 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 two two out of the three uh the appraisal and inspection contingency you have to pass pass those two in order to get to closing Mm -hmm. so you know once you have a contract in hand really you get the next step is inspection and appraisal and you got to work through those obstacles before you get to closing and then you know closing is the last one so without getting getting into more detail you know usually i tell people um uh, the main performance dates are, would be applying for a mortgage. Cause in the contract, it tells you within 14 days, you have to apply for a mortgage um, and then, you know, you have, a, you have to do an inspection within X amount of days, you know, appraisal has to come within X amount of days. Um, and then you've got to work through any kind of issues um, over a, a short period of time as well, before you can get to the actual signing table
1: one thing i wanted to ask just kind of out of curiosity is that how have you seen appraisals uh, coming in the last couple months i mean i know in your case um, i mean nashville's been a hot market for a long time i'm assuming the appraisals generally come in close to if not above what the offer is but then again it could not be and that's why i kind of want to ask you just yeah so
2: it 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 kind of all it's all over the place you know it's whenever you have a hot market you know some appraisals are going to be right on point and then some some are going to be overpriced Uh, so usually what happens is um, in these more affordable price points you'll see appraisal c- uh, come in short meaning you know I'm a seller I know I have a house that's going to sell in in hours you know I'm going to price it at 250 I'm going to get you know 10 offers and somebody's going to pay 280
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know so you know contract price 280 goes to the lender lender sends an appraiser appraiser goes back it says ah you know what it's only worth 250 so, so
0: so what's what happens then
2: Well, you know, basically three options there. You know, the buyer can come up with a difference if they really like the house. They can, you know, get put down $30,000 and call it a day. You know, they can go back to the seller and say, hey, seller, uh, I'm sorry, but the house didn't appraise. Can you come down to the appraised value? Uh, The seller can say no, yes, or we can come, you know, meet in the middle somewhere. Uh Uh, Or if no agreement has been made, uh, the buyer is free to walk away. Um, uh, uh, because of that appraisal contingency in the contract that the agent should have went over and said, hey, this is one of your uh, you know, protection clauses in the contract because you, know, you want to make sure your house is worth what you're paying for it and your lender is going to tell you if it is or not. Um, 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 so that's basically what happens in that situation.
0: So what would you recommend to buyers? And again, this is a, a unique, not unique, but a heavy Nashville problem over the last several years, as much as I understand it, it's calmed down here recently, but people who are competing with cash buyers, you know, I mean, I know you, there's only so much you can do, but most people don't have $350,000 to just drop on a, on a, on a property cash. Um, and obviously if you're a seller, it's very appealing because you can close basically within a week, as long as everything's good to go. Whereas if you're looking for financing, you're looking at 30 to 45 days and then there might be, you know, financing might fall through. So there could be other, other issues. So, you know, for folks who are competing in markets where there is a lot of, or have been a lot of cash offers, how can you make yourself more appealing?
2: All right. So yeah, great, great question. Uh, um, Basically cash is king, you know, so Mm -hmm. So having said that there are ways that you can compete with those kind of offers. So, you know, some of the creative uh, ways that uh, agents and myself recently um, have done is, you know, if you've got a family looking to buy a house, you know, I I tell my buyer, Hey, uh, you're going to be competing against multiple offers and I'm pretty sure you're going to have a couple of cash offers in there and and they're going to be from investors, you know, wall street money. um, You know, somebody that's lived in that house for a long time is going to be emotionally attached. So I tell my buyer, write a letter and send it with your offer, write a letter, you know, from the heart, say why you want to buy their house, you know, attach a photo of their, you know, their family. If you've got kids, you know, husband and wife or whatever that situation might be, write a letter from the heart, attach it with the offer. And sometimes, uh, I've seen sellers, you know, have two offers: one is cash, and one is a financing uh, contingency, be the same price, and they go with the people who have written the letter because they feel emotionally uh, connected to those to those buyers. And uh, but for some people, money's money, and doesn't yeah. matter what you do, they're going to go with the cash offer. So one of the things is writing the letter. Um, the other one is, um, you know, even if you, if you're financing, uh, something, it really depends on the seller too, right? So if they're hurting for money, if they want money right away, it doesn't matter what you do, they're going to go with the cash offer. But mm-hmm. if they're not, uh, sometimes, you know, what people do in this market is they include these escalation clauses in the purchase and sale agreements. Um, so basically, you know, that's, that's a little more in depth, but, uh, so you're paying above above market value, right? So if you've got multiple offers, you're going to put in an escalation clause and say, if your house is is listed as a 300, you say, okay, I'll pay $1,000 more than any offer you have up to a certain amount, Hmm. up to 325. So if multiple offers come in, you have three, the highest offer is 319, your escalation clause kicks in and you got it for 320. Interesting. So, you know, those two are really um, a kind of innovative—not innovative, but creative ways of 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 competing against multiple offers and cash offers um, in those situations.
1: Yeah, I, I wrote a letter when I bought this fourplex. So <laughs> there I mean, you like, go. There was like five offers or something. I was just like, hey, like me and my girlfriend. Yeah, in, we give, give like, him sorry.
2: pictures of puppies and and everything. I mean, whatever you got to do, you know. <laughs>
0: Yeah, But that's, yeah. that's so genius. Cause it humanizes you.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Instead of having a difficult name to pronounce on a piece of paper, yeah. you know, like
2: they're like, Oh, these are, these are real people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that resonates with, with, with sellers, mm-hmm. you know, you know, so uh, I don't care where you are in Nashville, you've gotten bombarded by mail from these investment companies, buying mm-hmm. cash and paying market value every week. So you're already tired of seeing that, and you know, I've had sellers flat out tell me, "I don't care what they offer me; I'm not selling to Wall Street."
0: Yeah.
2: You know, yeah. so it, that resonates with people. Whenever you actually write a letter, and when was the last time you've gotten a handwritten letter? You know. Yeah. Uh, and 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 so, and and that's so you know going back. What's important? You know, in a realtor, those things. You know, like. Finding ways, creative ways to put your client in the best position possible, you know, being available at all times, you know, in this market, whenever you have, um, you know, listings fly off the market within hours, it doesn't matter whether it be seven o'clock in the morning or nine o'clock at night, you know, if if your client is looking for a house, you got to go. Yeah. You know, you can be Ah, like, eh, you know, I've got soccer practice with my kids at five, you know, tomorrow I've got a dinner date with my wife. Let's go see this house Friday. You know, by that time, it's, it's, it's sold. So you've got to be there as soon as it comes out.
0: Let me, let me ask you a couple of other questions that are, again, kind of back to the financing part. And again, you're not a mortgage lender. We'll, we'll talk about that. You know in a different episode but there are a couple of other options as well that folks might not be aware of like the usda option um the the va option there are a couple of, of zero down um options out there for folks if they fall into a specific category
2: yeah exactly so you mentioned two of them um you know va is veterans affairs so if you're a former military um, you know, that's a zero money down loan. You know, and, and zero closing as well, right? Yeah, correct. So you you know you bring no money to the closing table. I mean, you just sign the paperwork and you get the keys to the house. You know, there are funding fees and things like that that get added to the loan, but you don't have to pay them out of pocket. They just get added to your mortgage mm-hmm. uh, principal. And then USDA is is not a a, a, um, a military loan. is it's, it's basically a loan to help populate areas that are not you know close to a metro. Uh, metro areas, sort of like rural areas, uh, local, cities and 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 towns that are a little further away from, let's say, Nashville. Um, those also uh, qualify for zero money down. Um, and actually, a lot of area, a lot of the the cities here in 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 you know 30, 35 miles, 40 miles uh, from Nashville qualify for that zero money down. Yeah, so I was we, gonna say, I was
0: gonna say like Mount Juliet. I know somebody in the Mount Juliet area who got it and that's just one County over. I mean, that's... yeah, you're
2: talking, you know, 20 minutes to downtown, you know, Mount Juliet, you know, you've got Gallatin, you know um, you've got Dixon. Um, um, I mean, without naming all the cities, I mean, there's definitely a lot of option, you know, if, if, if you don't mind the commute.
0: Yeah.
2: And then there's also another uh, kind of uh, THDA that's uh, you know, that's a Tennessee, um, 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 loan. Uh, it's a government-based uh, uh, loan that basically is helping uh, revitalize some of these hard-hit areas over time um, uh, within Nashville. You know, So for example, uh, if you buy a house in a certain zip code in Nashville, you get up to $15,000 um, um, assistance towards down payment and closing costs. Uh, but you have to buy a house in, in those certain designated zip codes. For example, a couple of years ago, uh, one of those zip codes was Madison. Mm-hmm. You know? So Madison is you know, five minutes away from East Nashville.
1: Yeah. Are there, any, are there any grant programs as far as down payment assistance? Because I know here in Louisville, depending on the area and depending on your income, sometimes you qualify for some sort of down payment assistance. And if you live in the property long enough, sometimes they even are able to forgive yep. some of it. Uh, so, so that's, that's, that's kind of it.
2: And what I just mentioned, uh, uh, it's, it's THDA and uh, um, those loans are forgiven if you live in the house. I wanna say for, and don't quote me on this, but I think it's 10 years or more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they forgive the loan. But you know, if you sell within, let's say five years, it's prorated, you have to pay some of it back. But they are, it's just, you've got to qualify. Um, it has to be in a qualifying area and you have to qualify, um, with your income. Um, you can, you know, certain areas have certain income, uh, qualifications. They're not all the same across the board. Hmm.
0: And, and one of the things that i speaking of income, you know, one of the things that I've talked to Tamara about ever since we bought our house is, you know, she was a teacher and, uh, before she started working for me. So when, when she was a teacher, she was looking at her salary and what her salary could be someday, and then we started thinking it was like what happens if a teacher is married to like a firefighter where great professions, but they don't pay a lot in the long term and I know they're especially with a lot of these developments here in Nashville because the cost of living is going up so high um, in the the city is basically forcing certain developers, hey if you're going to build forty units, you got to set aside four of those or five of those for people in specific professions with with uh with specific income, so I remember one development you and I looked at they were going for like three eighty, but one of the units was going for two eleven
2: yeah yeah, so that 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 doesn't happen a lot uh, but it it does happen i mean there there are properties out there that um you know I don't want to say affordable housing, but that's kind of what they are, and you know they're kind of more slanted to go to people like teachers, firefighters, police officers, um, you know, first responders and nurses. Um, but the, you know, the, the, the problem there is it's one. Out of unit, 40. Out yeah. forty. Yeah. And you're going to have probably 50 people applying to, you know, get that house. And I have no idea how they determine who gets it. You know, it's, you know, you've got, Fifteen offers, and they're all from from let's say police officers. How do you determine who you give it to? Yeah, and I and I don't. It, I wasn't able to. Um, I, I had some questions about properties that um, um, were qualified as that, um, but you know, my buyers' their income wasn't wasn't where it needed to be in order for them to go ahead and 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 be able to buy, um, but there are available, it's a very slim pickings. Um, uh, you know, they're fighting more and more to, to provide more affordable housing in Nashville. And, um, I think they could be, a um, a better way of doing that. It's just, um, it, it's not plentiful if you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. On, on the commercial side, what you often see is developers capitalize on low income housing tax credits in order to start development in these areas. Because generally what happens is, is, land prices, and in in, I'm assuming in Nashville, they've gone through the roof. And so in order for developers to make a profit on their investment, a lot of times they have to capitalize that on that by using these tax credits in order to develop these new multifamily complexes. So I, we see that on the, the commercial side, as far as like renting out apartments, but I don't know about on the residential side. Do like you guys
2: see like um, opportunity zones up?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Opportunity zones are also another thing where investors, in particular out of town investors come in and and want to invest in certain areas. And there there are some corridors in Louisville that are pretty beneficial to invest in as far as opportunity zones go, in particular in retail. when You're talking a lot of good traffic areas, intersection locations. I mean, there's definitely, there's opportunity there for sure. Uh, But yeah, you you have to be kind of careful in in the sense that you're committing to that area for a long period of time. And I mean, you just got to make sure that that you, you do your homework for sure. Yeah.
0: Well, awesome. Got, got a little bit of in-depth conversation there. Yeah. Folks are going to be like, what's an opportunity zone? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, so so if, if people want to get a hold of Bo, obviously this is going to be Nashville-centric, but I don't know, we're, you might get a license in Kentucky. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, if if people want to get a hold of Bo, how do they get a hold of Bo? Uh,
2: I mean, call me, text me. Uh, my phone number is, my cell phone number is 615-916-9961. Go to my website. It's www. ZVAC Realty com. I'm on Facebook, ZVAC Realty Group, Instagram. Um, so, you know, social media, texting, calling, you've got my number, call me and no obligation. I'm always down to talk real estate with anybody. Even if you pick me as an agent or don't pick me as an agent, I just want you to be educated as a home buyer or a home seller so you can make that right decision.
0: I love it. And we'll obviously put all your contact info in the show notes um for it so people can also you know click on it from there but rafael any any final any final thoughts words
1: no man i think you. i mean you're obviously well very in what you're doing and that's that's awesome that you were able to provide some value to the the audience i know i know that we're gonna break up some of these some of this podcast in order to create different snippets that we can share with everyone so yeah i'm just excited to meet you and hopefully when i'm down in nashville we can all get together grab a beer or something once it's all (laughs)
2: <laughs> Absolutely. We can even come up to
1: Louisville. I heard Louisville. Oh, anytime. Louisville. <laughs> yeah. Yamata came up and went to my, our meetup. Yeah,
0: yeah. We we might want to go to the meetup <laughs> together at some point. I mean, it's pretty, this guy right here that you're seeing at the bottom of your screen or left side or wherever he is, this guy is a monster at getting people together. Like he, I mean, how much did your meetup have? Like 150 people there? hundred? 100? or
1: something. Yeah. We, yeah. We're close to hundred, I'd say.
0: And you grew that how quickly?
1: Eight months, something like that. Yeah, we, we have a, we have we have a good meetup group, and we're actually having a a, a call tomorrow with uh, this investor in in Denver. She's going to talk a little bit about her experience, and uh, we're we're transitioning a little bit online since this whole thing's been happening. But once we get back up and going and everything, I think we'll be able to reach that number again, eighty to one hundred and twenty people.
2: Yeah. So, Joe, when you go up there next time, man, let's just carpool and. Yeah, um, I'm down. It makes the drive a hell of a I've lot. I've never more been with Louisville. I've driven yeah. to a bunch of times, but I've never actually visited. So, hey, the Derby's in September now, so
0: it's yeah. A, yeah, it won't be it won't be <laughs> blistering hot. It's a really cool city, but both. I mean, thanks for coming on. We'll we'll chop oh, this yeah, bad no boy problem. up. We'll edit it. At, we'll edit it. We'll make it look all pretty. We'll try to put it out as soon as possible. So you've got so you know I want people that come on here to be able to like say, hey, client, here's a podcast I did.
2: Yeah, you know, yeah, no, no. I mean, I I get it, and I appreciate you reminding me. I mean. I mean, obviously, you know, I I love this stuff and I'm kind of passionate about it. Um, Kind of branching out to different things. You know, residential is kind of my bread and butter, but I've I've got clients asking me about commercial all the time now. And I actually have uh, a client that's wanting me to list uh, a commercial uh, building.